Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com, joined by Beaver's Edge writer TJ Matthewson back on the big podcast. We're here to talk Oregon State's win over Fresno State and preview the upcoming matchup against Montana State at Providence Park. Going to be an awesome atmosphere as uh, Beaver Nation goes north and heads uh, to Portland. Uh, TJ, welcome back to the pod, man. Let's start with that win over Fresno State. That was something. It was entertaining if you had CBS Sports Network and were able to find it. I know it was a little tricky for some. It was tricky for me to find uh, uh, somewhere to watch the game. But uh, overall, really, uh, it was a good game for Oregon State. And sort of a, you know, it was good to see a win, you know, week two still. But in a game where everything's not perfect, like it seemed in week one. Or week one was not perfect, but it was pretty darn near perfect. When you ask, you know, what your offense does and what your defense does, you know, throughout the penalties. But besides that, I mean, they played about as well as they could against Boise State, against Fresno State. I mean, right. all, all I need to say is Fresno State had like 500 yards of offense and Jake Hayner looked really, really good. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, did they sack him? I can't remember. I believe they got to him one time, one time. Yeah, but regardless, like, that's not a perfect performance. Far from it. Your no. receivers are dropping passes throughout the first half and, and right. such, which, you know, prevents you from putting together some scoring drives in the middle of the game. But at right. the end, when you need it the most, the Chance Nolan and company, Luke Musgrave made a couple of huge catches right. there in that fourth quarter with under five minutes to go. And the Beavs escaping. They really felt like they stole one down there in Fresno, yeah. but a good win nonetheless. Yeah, you know, uh, a, a lot to unpack from that matchup. I mean, obviously, Jack Coletto, you know, taking taking the the, the two yard um, uh, first and goal, obviously, with the game on the line, and you know, Oregon State first sending out the field goal unit. Jeff Tedford calls timeout. They change their mind, end up going out with the offensive unit. And I'm 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 just kind of curious, TJ. We'll get into the impact of the win itself, but just curiosity's sake, I was watching the game with a handful of people over at my house and. Out of like the six or seven we had here, I think it was me, maybe one other person was like, from the start, go for it. How did you feel when the moment came to be, were you saying kick it or were you saying go for it the whole time? Uh, myself, I, I just felt like you had to go for it there on the road, hostile environment, you know, your defense, not to mention your whole team is probably a little gassed. And then, you know, on top of all that, you keep the ball out of Jake Hayner's hands and have a chance to win the game. I think it was a no brainer. Well, it probably depends at what point of the field you ask me. When the Beavers were sort of just inside midfield, I'd say, you know, you're probably still playing for a field goal here. You're, you know, right. going to get a bit nice chunky yardage. They'll give you 15 yards. You get a little bit closer, and that's, you know, makeable for Everett Hayes, and you you would trust your kicker with that. But as soon as Luke Musgrave reels in a ball within the uh, – where, where do you make that catch? It was inside the 10-yard line, right? Yeah. Regardless, they get, they, get, they get pretty close. At that point, it's like, yeah, okay, well, you have 20-something seconds left. You absolutely right. need to go for the end zone. Don't, don't do anything, you know, dumb, but right. you can still responsibly take a shot at the end zone. They did. They got a pass interference right on the goal right. line. And once you're on the goal line, it's not yeah. even a question. You, you're, you are absolutely going for that. How many – you don't kick field goals from the from the two yard line unless you're like Iowa or something like that just doesn't happen. <laughs> so I mean, and you pride yourself yeah. on having a guy in Jack Coletta who you lean on every single time to get right. those short yarded situation. And much like you know an NFL example when Tom Brady was with the Patriots, every time they needed right. a yard, was there anything more efficient than a Brady sneak right up the middle? Right. No, not really. So right. you know they turn Oregon State turns to their version of that and Jack Coletta, and they had it 
really well blocked. That right side of the offensive oh line goodness, did an yes. awesome job blocking for Jack Coletto. He needed two yards and he got it. Yeah, and you know, but not you you hit on the blocking there, and I think that was tremendous. You know, the Beavers loaded up and you know, I think the right side was the best side to run that play to, and I think that was, you know, ideal. And you know, Jonathan talked about the execution of that this week, but but how about the fact that you know Jack Coletto got hit, TJ, I like the one. But just kind of was able just to kind of hit like it was, you know, it was clear Jack Coletto was a much yeah. bigger body than the one yeah. that hit him. And, you know, it, it wasn't really, um, you know, like I said, from my perspective, there was never really a doubt. Like he takes the snap and you see Oregon State's first initial, you know, half a second of blocking, see how quickly they got off their blocks. You know, I, I had the feeling instantly almost as, you know, every, you know, Beaver fan who was watching the CBS sports feed or heard via Mike Parker knew you know, instantly, uh, it, it looked good right away. Yeah, it did. Um, and I think you can tell usually right away, right? Like you yeah. said, <laughs> how as good as the initial, how good is the initial blocking, right? Like right. right off the bat, I think a couple times versus Boise State, they ran that play and Coletto gets met right away, right? As he's getting the yeah. ball, someone comes right through the middle and he can't get any momentum forward. Well, in that situation, he gets the ball, right? And he takes, plants one step, takes one step forward, then takes right. another. By that point, his momentum is already enough where, you know, you'd have to be a pretty big dude to knock Jack Coletto off his feet uh, and knock him backwards, <laughs> right. which obviously the tackler could not do. And Jack Coletto managed to get that one into the end zone. And overall, just like a very well-blocked play. The initial, you know, the, the, the front of the, uh, the middle of the offensive line stood, right. stood their ground and gave Jack Coletto the, that lane he needed to to run right. And he did. And they scored. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, not to mention, I think there were just a lot of factors at play, you know, when you're talking about why the Beavers chose to go for it there. I mean, I think, you know, the fact that you had confidence in Jack Coletto, the fact that you mentioned it was, uh, it was a intense crowd. I mean, from what I could tell on television and what the attendance figures showed, you know, it, it really seemed like it was an intense environment there. And, you know, some of the, you know, fine folks at Beavers Edge that did go to that game even mentioned as so, and, you know, Perhaps said Oregon State doesn't have much to gain from scheduling games down in Fresno in the future. So, you know, maybe no, something to probably keep, not. Maybe something to keep in mind for the old uh, Oregon State Athletic Department, you know, moving forward. I can't remember, you know, it'd be curious to know, TJ, how long ago it was that they scheduled that game and if it was, you know, a Scott Barnes 15 decision. 15 years ago, maybe. <laughs> or it, was, it has to be like 15 years ago or something. 10, yeah, 15. I would. I would guess so, because, you know, it, and if that's the case, then you're talking maybe three or four ADs ago for Oregon State. So you're thinking, you know, maybe it was the Riley regime that was like, sure, let's go to Fresno kind of a thing. So uh, I definitely think that Oregon State, you know, was able to win in a hostile environment. And by not, you know, losing in a place like that, you're able to kind of, you know, get out of there, feel like accomplished and whatnot. And then more importantly, yeah use it as kind of like a springboard. And I think it can be a great tool in recruiting to kind of say, Hey, you know, we've proven we can win on the road. You know, we mentioned last week that they, you know, proved they play well in the, you know, California area with wins over UCLA and USC uh, in the Smith tenure. Now they add a trip to Fresno uh, in there as well. So I think just all those factors kind of rolled together and, you know, maybe he wouldn't say it, maybe he would, but like Jonathan Smith's experiences as a player, TJ, he, didn't win there. And I believe if I'm correct, yeah. he was on, he was a graduate assistant on an Oregon state staff a couple of years later that went down there and lost as well. So, you know, I, I would bet in that moment, he's like, I got confidence in Jack Coletto. I've got confidence in my team and this is a tough place to win. 
Yeah, and I also don't remember exactly what he mentioned on the Monday presser. I don't know if you remember, but I think it was like him and Jack, and he asked Jack, he's like, you got yeah, this? And Jack said, yes, and he's like, go to the right, let's do it. Yeah, and yep. I believe, and I believe from that press conference, like you said, that he mentioned, you know, Jack kind of said, "Hey, we we want to go to the right." And with how open it was, TJ, how great is that? Is that the former quarterback in Jack Coletto coming out, being able to yeah. kind of see formations? Co- and like, coach, like that? I want to do this. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And and they did. And I, I'm trying to remember, they came out first time, and Jack had uh, I can't remember which running back standing next to him in the backfield. Right. They were they're gonna do that and then Fresno State called timeout. And then that's when they decided to do that again, I think. I'm yeah. not totally yeah. If I said I can't quite recall the... what yeah, who that running back was. Uh I would I would guess, and I'm pretty sure it was Deshaun Fenwick uh during that first sequence, but you know, they were calling timeout so quickly and whatnot, you know, shuffling guys in and out. But the point of it is still the same. I just I think, you know, to kind of put a bow tie on this part of the podcast, this part of the conversation is just, you know. I thought the Beavers played well or well enough rather to be able to win in a place like that. And for a team like this, that has been through so much and you're talking about last year ended in a bit of a disappointment. You know, you talk about, you know, losses to Oregon losses to uh, Utah state and the LA bowl and they need Colorado. right? Right. And I, and I think, you know, to, build the team's confidence back up a little bit, even though it's a new year and everything. I think confidence is something that, you know, has to be built and to have wins Mm -hmm. over two pretty good teams. And I would like to emphasize to everyone once again, these are not bottom feeder Mountain West teams. These are two teams who were respected to or uh, respectively expected to win their each side of the division in the Mountain West. And Oregon State obviously played better, I think, against Boise State. But I think Fresno State is a superior team. And I think Jeff Tedford uh, right now is is a better coach than Andy Avalos is. So I think he was able to dial up a really good game yeah. plan uh, with Jake Hayner, who I think is better than Hank Bachmeyer as well. And you know, we've even said yes. that on, we've even said on Rip City Radio this week, TJ, Jake Hayner might have a a pro career. Like that's yeah, that's he might. He, like especially with good. Fresno State putting you know a couple Car Brothers into the NFL in recent years. Like it's possible to have a guy uh, come from Fresno State, and you know, you know, uh, you were talking even to uh, uh, the defensive backs today, and. Um, you know, just talking with the coaching staff this week, like they were all pretty impressed with like the throws Jake Hanner was able to make. And we're like, yeah, that yeah. kid can zip it, you know, talking to Jonathan on Monday. And I think more than anything, like that's just like an, like a take a breath, go, that was just a really satisfying win. And I imagine that's how the players feel too. No reason to rest on your laurels, but now you get your yeah. cupcake of sorts. And I, and we'll get into that momentarily. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty um, tough cupcake of sorts compared to playing two teams who are not FCS. So I, I think for all those reasons, uh, it, it was just a huge and a massive win. Um, we'll, we'll talk about some standout stats here in a minute, but TJ, do you kind of agree with that? Yeah. And I, mean, I was going to say Jake Hayner played really well. And yeah. I think the game plan the that Fresno state had was pretty good. They, they really negated sort of the strength of the Oregon state defense last week, which was they the did. pass rush. And they have Jake Hayner going quick pass, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass. Right. And you could just hear it from the coaches this week that they right. were, you know, they thought they were getting an okay pressure on him, but he was just getting the ball out so quick that right. they didn't have a chance to disrupt him. And you saw that all accumulate in that right. fourth, uh, the Fresno state's last drive of the game. They send an all out blitz at Jake yeah. Hayner, just trying <laughs> yeah. to get to him in time. And it doesn't work yeah. because he stands yeah. there, doesn't flinch and then goes, boom. 
hits this guy in stride. I can't remember if he scored on that play or not. But no, was, I, believe, I, believe, I believe that's when he went out of bounds at like the 10 or so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but regardless, right? So it, it all like it, it all comes into that point. They didn't yeah. quite blitz as much last week, but they realized to get to Hayner, they would have to do that. And they tried, right. they got burned by it. Uh, but you 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 survived that. You kept him out of the end zone long enough. The the, the middle section of the game, we didn't let Jake <laughs> yeah. Hayner in the end zone. What's the difference? Because yeah, if they're scoring was. touchdowns on all those drives that they're getting all those yards and they end up with 500 yards. I mean, Fresno State might have 50 points. Right. You right. don't have a chance to win the game at the end. Right. And, and, I, and I give credit to Fresno State's defense. I thought, you know, Oregon State helped them out a little bit with some drops. And, you know, you talked to Treshawn Harrison on Tuesday uh, about that, TJ. And, you know, he, he was mentioning, uh, you know, you know, he's kind of been the, the guy so far that's had a few drops and kind of been the one that's been looked at. You know, he had a few in the first half, obviously, and then, you know, was able to, you know, rebound very nicely and, you know, have a strong second half. But, you know, with that and then Oregon State, I think just struggling with consistency. I, I credited Fresno State's defense. And then, as you mentioned, uh, Oregon State's defense, the ability to hold them to field goals and, um, you know, you mentioned that with the defensive guys today in those interviews. Uh, make sure to check those out at beaversedge.com. Um, that holding them to field goals was absolutely 100% yeah. the difference in this game because Oregon State yeah. was not that – Oregon State was not as efficient on offense as Fresno State was in this game. They were able to find some spurts, and they were able to really, you know, play their best football when it mattered most. But you talk about Jay Kane or no interceptions. Uh, he really didn't have a whole lot of, like, bad throws on the night as, as, as much as I can remember. Maybe one or two that he had to throw away, you know, kind of quickly – um, but you know, after this game, I took away that I think other than maybe, you know, Caleb Williams and maybe a, another guy, maybe that could emerge, Jake Hanner might be one of the best quarterbacks Oregon state plays all year. Yeah. And might be their toughest road task. I mean, you think yeah. of the, you think of the Utah game, it probably just depends how you balance Cam Rising right. versus a Jake Hanner. And there's a lot more the, people in Utah, Utah. Also, Utah also runs a different style of offense, right. a little more run centric, and that would be a little more focused on the middle right. of Oregon State's defense opposed to getting picked apart on the edge, which That's is not true. really something Utah does as much. Um, but, you know, in terms of, uh, again, road environment, that's probably up there with Utah when you, comp- yeah. when, you, when you have the quarterback and the coach on that side as well. It, it's pretty tough, and they come out yeah. with the victory. That's really all that matters. Yeah, no, it was huge. And, you know, just to highlight some other moments, I thought Chance Nolan uh, really, you know, he, he, he rose up when it mattered most. Uh, yeah. You know, I thought he showed think- why he – or go ahead, yeah. I was going to say, I think that's what everyone wanted to see. Wanted to right. see Chance in a high-pressure situation have to go Big win time. his team the game, and he did. Yeah, yeah. and I thought, you know, like, you know, sure, was Chance great in the first half? No, not necessarily. But when the game was on the line, he took your team down the field and bred you into scoring position. I think it was uh, three of the last five drives they had touchdowns. Uh, I'm misremembering. From, it's been a while since Monday's takeaways. But, um, you know, and regardless, you know, the ability for him to lead that team down, especially that final drive, and then connect up with Luke Musgrave, who, you know, we, we also should mention, if you haven't heard, no Luke Musgrave against Montana State. Yep. And is it fair to Maybe say not quest- against USC? Are we yeah, fair I to would say, say probably questionable against USC, yeah. I would guess. They made it – the wording yeah. Jonathan used and the tone made it sound like more than one week, but yeah. I don't know. It did just look like a cramp when he was coming off the field, but I guess not. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I would imagine Luke, you know, Luke Musgrave is a pretty tough dude. And, you know, it, uh, that part on TV, you know, all of us could see on TV when he was kind of calling for the you know, the TO and, you know, needed to kind of sub himself out. You know, when a player subs themselves out, you kind of know it's definitely something because there was one there was one snap left, TJ. Like, you yeah. know, there was at that point, you know, it's like if a guy, you know, was dealing with something, he can usually say, OK, I'll grit up here for a second, you know, make it one more snap. No, I think Luke was in a lot of pain. So, again, undisclosed injury, exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. But I believe it happened, you know, when he landed as he, you know, caught the uh, caught uh, that the ball from Chance Nolan. And, again, Jonathan Smith said he's mm-hmm. out for Montana State. Wouldn't confirm anything longer than that. But, you know, his his words were a couple – you know, a couple of one or two weeks, couple of weeks, something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, following that logic, could he be available yeah. for USC? Hopefully, but we, we don't won't know. know until next week. And uh, I think it's, it's might be a little more important because I mean, Luke is great and he's been so good these first two weeks, leading receiver each of the first yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Now who's going to replace him because that's chance Nolan's number one target. Yeah. So, you we'll know, see, we talked to Jake Overman yesterday. He said he's ready to go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll see who, if anyone's really going to step into that mark or maybe the, the offensive game plan more is a, hey, we're a division one, a power five offensive line. We're just going to run it down your throat. So, I guess we'll see be, on Saturday. I think it'll be a combination of the two. You know, TJ, I remember, um, you know, covering Jake Overman's recruitment when he, you know, was coming to Oregon State. And I remember, uh, you know, he was he was a guy that the coaching staff was really excited about, a guy that, you know, had, you know, a lot of accolades in high school, a guy that other programs were after, other Pac-12 programs. And I think he's definitely uh, someone who is capable of stepping up. You know, this isn't like it's his first year or, you know, even, you know, like a second year. Like he's been in the program now for a minute. And I think, you know, he's he's definitely capable of, of stepping up, making plays. Is he Luke Musgrave? No. I mean, you know, I think Luke Musgrave is a very special talent. but. I think he's more than capable of stepping up and making some plays. So very excited to see uh, how Jake Overman does. And um, who do you think might be the next guy up? You think it'll be, we'll see Jack Belling maybe next on or Gabe Milford? I, I don't know. It'll I mean, be, honestly, when we, when we were yeah. watching ball camp, I mean, they just rotate through those guys. Right. I mean, it's clear Luke is one, but right. otherwise, I mean, yeah. pick your, pick your 80, <laughs> 80 something number yeah. and he'll be out there. Yeah, pick a bingo card for the tight end, right? But yeah, no, that'll be, inter- that'll be interesting for sure uh, offensively. And then, um, you know, real quick, just to kind of put a bow tie on that, Deshaun Fenwick goes over 100 yards. Has he kind of moved ahead of Damian Martinez, you think, and kind of seized that lead back role? Or do you think it's still up for grabs yeah. against the FCS team where both guys will get some good run? Well, I think a lot of this might determine health-wise. Fenwick is healthy. Trelo has been out. Um, so, which is big, uh, someone else didn't make, oh, Isaiah Newell didn't make the trip by the right. Correct. So that, that like, you know, it opens up, there's less, less people to give touches to, but you know, Deshaun is the, the seasoned vet and he was listed as the starter. So, you know, this is, this is what he should be doing. And you're going out there and you average five yards a carry. That's good. And that's what exactly what he did. Gets over a hundred yards. Uh, hasn't quite replaced sort of the explosiveness that BJ Baylor had last year, but man, you hand the guy the rock, he's getting seven, eight yards yeah. and that's what you want. And yeah. again, Damien's in his second career game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. write, we're not going to write the guy off for his freshman year just yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, we'll see again, if Martinez comes in, rips off a 70 yard run against Montana state. I mean, late in yeah. the game, I would imagine he's getting more carries, right? 
Yeah. It, it, well, it's interesting because I, I go back to uh, last week, uh, TJ, when we had uh, Mike Parker on our program on Rich City Mornings, and uh, he brought up and you know, um, you know, a great point that I myself have to remind myself of. It wasn't until the uh, third or really, I mean, the USC game was the fourth game of the season. So let's just go ahead and say it for then when then Oregon State star running back Jaquiz Rogers broke out as a true freshman that year and kind of seized that running back spot. So, you know, sometimes it takes a guys a couple games to get going. And, you know, that year yep. Quiz was not the starter. And now as you look at the Oregon State record books, you're like, how was Jaquiz Rogers not the starter every moment he was on campus, right? So it's it's definitely one of those things where, you know, I, I, I absolutely 100% agree with you. I think Damian Martinez is a very, very talented player, and I think the Beavers have a great one-two punch. And uh, on that point as well, Jonathan Smith did also say that Trey Lowe uh, will not play against Montana State either. Uh, he didn't update on Isaiah Newell, so we'll see uh, what his status is uh, heading into that game as well. But mm -hmm. we can go ahead and transition over to that game now. Oregon State set to take on Montana State at Providence Park this weekend. Home of the Timbers. It's definitely yeah. uh, going to be an interesting environment, and uh, I I'm definitely excited for it. How many times have you been to Providence Park? So I have never been for a Timbers game it, since they've been an MLS team. So it was uh -huh. back when I was a kid. I went uh, there once or twice, and I remember I went to a few Portland Beavers games when they were AAA um, as a kid. And then um, I remember going to – an Eastern Washington Portland state game in 2016, but that's my only experience at Providence park. How about yourself? Yeah. See, I've, ne I've never been there. Uh, I don't think I'll be there on Saturday. It's a far drive, um, <laughs> but, but uh, I've heard parking will be a yeah, challenge. I think it's going to be, so it'll be fun. It's, yeah. Parking's going to be a challenge. There's just not much convenience for me. So the TV <laughs> will work fine. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I'm, I'm thinking it, it'll be a, I think it'll be a really good environment because it might not just be Beaver fans. It might just be football fans in Portland right. who, you know, they get to go Never see Power to Five see football. football. Yeah. Yeah. Power, Power Five football, at least conveniently. You can, of course, drive down here. Or you can drive an hour more down the road and right. go watch the Ducks. But, you know, it's no, there's no like sort of convenience. Right. There's no Seahawks feel. I mean, I grew up four miles from CenturyLink Field. Uh, yeah. in Seattle so there's not, not none of like that convenience so we'll, we'll get some football there'll be some football fans out the environment's going to be yeah. good the players the coaches they're looking forward to it uh, it should be an exciting matchup uh, Oregon State I believe is a two touchdown favorite uh, as of now um, which I, I don't know if that speaks more to the difference just between FBS and FCS or I don't, I, I don't know because I don't know how yeah. sports book view FCS teams especially one as good as Montana State Right, Montana State's pretty good. They they beat uh, Moorhead State by fifty points last week. They've blown out both their opponents yeah. so far, and they scored sixty three overall. Yeah, I so said I actually haven't seen a line, and sometimes they don't throw out lines for FCS teams. It just kind of depends um, on the matchup, and like you said, uh, you know, um, they they've definitely ran out to a pretty good start this season, a hot start. But they've also played two. Um, you know, subpar teams, I would say, in McNeese and uh, Moorhead State, as you mentioned. So, I, I mean, I, I really don't know if it's, if it's easy to um, to kind of get a gauge on Montana State. Uh, you kind of just need to know that they've got a couple dual threat quarterbacks in uh, uh, Tommy Malo um, and uh, Sean Chambers. And those are guys that uh, um, I think are, you know, like, you know, they're going to be dual threats. They're going to run, they're going to throw. And I think that'll be something to mm -hmm. keep an eye on. 
couple uh, talented defensive uh, defensive linemen and uh, Sebastian Valdez and Kenneth Eden. But, you know, I, I still think largely, TJ, uh, this is this is a game that uh, Oregon State will win, uh, should win and, you know, should win comfortably. Yeah. And especially looking how they played again, you you mentioned it playing probably the two best teams in the Mountain West and winning both. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> Mountain West is obviously much better than the big sky. Very. So, <laughs> the, in uh in in consequence you should you should probably yeah. win by you know three touchdowns ish i would think uh, you'd so. imagine they're not gonna they're not gonna over over uh overlook the montana state of course played for a national championship last year some of these right. fcf teams are really good and we could right. just look to last week weber state didn't just win they blew out utah state who oregon state right. lost to in the la bowl last year so any given Saturday, you ne- you never know. But for Oregon State, right, you're going to have the, op- the advantage across both the offensive and defensive lines. You're going to have better scope position players. You have a more yeah. experienced quarterback who is a power five starting quarterback and has played well this season. So there really shouldn't be a reason that the game should, you know, be close. Right. And, and, I, and I agree fully. And, you know, like, like you said, for, for many reasons, you know, this is a game Oregon state should win comfortably and, you know, Montana state, you know, I, it's a very good program. And that's why we saw Jonathan Smith say, you know, a healthy respect for and Oregon state's had their, their issues with, you know, an FCS team or two in the past and, you know, no need to dive into, you know, those old uh, uh, skeletons, but uh, it, you know, it's definitely <laughs> something that Oregon state fans are, are weary of. So I, I think, you know, a healthy respect is a good thing, but, even like in 2018, for example, TJ, like when I don't think Oregon State was, you know, all there, it was a rough first year for Jonathan Smith. They still, you know, beat Southern Utah really badly that year. I get it, right? Montana State's a much better FCS team than maybe Southern Utah was that year. But I think Jonathan Smith is, you know, an adept coach of being like, hey, you know, we have power five bodies on the defensive line, offensive defensive line. We're going to be able to wear you out over the course of a game just kind of that whole process of being better. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I think Oregon state will, you know, comfortably win in this one. I think it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. And I think Providence park is a very cool place to host a game. You know, the Beavers TJ have a ton of history up there long before my time, long before your time, but back in the day, yeah. they used to play there quite a bit. And uh, I believe I have the note in front of me here that the last time they played up there was uh, 1986 uh, when they played UCLA. Yeah. I think a little bit before us. Yeah, well, t- 10 years before me. So it's like, a, it was a hot minute, right? Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I think uh, it, it's it's definitely going to be a, a cool deal for football fans, like you mentioned. And and I think Oregon State will have the ability uh, uh, to win the game comfortably. So two, uh, a, a big question I have for you uh, heading into it, TJ, we'll obviously get into our predictions. Make sure to check that out at beaversedge.com in the coming days. TJ will uh, be giving his. We'll also have our recruiting analyst, Dylan, as well, in addition to mine. But TJ, I have to ask, uh, what are the odds, real quick, to wrap this up? We see a, a Tristan Jebbia appearance in this game or a Ben Golbranson appearance in this game. Yeah, I mean, I was about to ask you that. Who Who is coming off the bench to, to play a big role in this game? Because especially once you get a big, you know, you want to get guys some playing time and Jebbia has to be the role, first. With he the four-game rule, I, I would admit. He's you would captain. think so. He's I really want really right? to see Goldbranson, though. I do, too. I really want to see Goldbranson play some live snaps. I do. I think, you know, maybe we can see all three if it's that comfortable. But, like, you know, Jebby is captain. I do think he'll probably get in there as the second quarterback. But, honestly, yeah. uh, you know, in, in, in all honesty, like you said, Ben Goldbranson someone I really want to see, too. So, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And 
Real quick, TJ, uh, we have uh, non-football or non-Oregon State-related fun way to end the podcast. You mentioned uh, you grew up a few miles from CenturyLink. What'd you think of Monday night? What'd you think of oh, yeah, uh, Monday great. night? Oh because, my goodness, uh, that was fun. Yeah. Was so, fun. Uh, where did you land? My favorite in that part whole... of the night. My where did you land in that night, whole thing? Brendan. Like, was was Russ? Was there a healthy respect for Russ, or was Russ dead to you? And uh, mind you, we got a few minutes left to finish this up. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an interesting thing, right? I, I always appreciate everything Russ did for the franchise. Bring helps bring the first Super Bowl that the, the, the franchise has ever had given some unforgettable moments, you know, he's going to be in the ring of honor. Maybe he'll get a statue outside of the stadium too. That's all legacy stuff that he could want. But I would just say the way that the breakup ended and the, you know, the petty little, you know, <laughs> articles that, that leaked out from his camp on, you know, Oh, Russell and CR would love to play in New York city. Uh, then another floated here, <laughs> yeah. floated there. I think yeah. rubbed the, the fans the wrong way, especially as it became more and more and more public and, you know, going on this public media tirade to like try and, you know, let him cook more and, you know, it works sometimes. And then sometimes he struggles in a game and it was, you know, it was a little frustrating. So I saw a lot of backlash for the booing. I didn't think the booing was unwarranted. I thought, you know, the, the way he conducted himself on his way out and it wasn't just booing him, booing the whole situation, something that probably shouldn't have ever come up. It was unfortunate, but it's good to watch the Seahawks get a win. Cause (laughs) you know, I was going to say, that's the only game I even want them to win all year. So, yeah, I, I mean, as someone who grew up in the you know Pacific Northwest and, you know, did not grow up a Seahawks fan at all. I just want to make that uh, like it, it was really fun to root for the Seahawks because I've never been the biggest Russell Wilson fans. So that was great. And uh, I, I have to say, you know, uh, the new uh, defensive lineman, Shelby Harris, throwing out the, the let's ride yeah. to the uh, sideline. That was before. funny. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And, you know, credit, uh, you know, credit Pete Carroll and whatnot for all that, but that, that was just a, that was just an awesome thing. So I had to ask you about that. I I will just say it was it like, just think of this from the, the, the old players and old teams, like thinking they didn't get enough credit for stuff, which can be just like, you know, a little, it's hard to see between the lines there, but like, I thought it is pretty telling when Co ex coach and a bunch of ex teammates come and they are not rooting for the quarterback on the other side. Yeah, no, say. and yeah, and and Twitter was was having some fun. Let's put it that way. Former yeah, teammates, yeah, players, and yeah, all that. Yes, but, Richard yeah, Sherman's was, Twitter was was great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely like I said, it was definitely. Uh, I just you mentioned uh, growing up close, and and I just I'm like, all right, let's finish the podcast. I got to ask him about this to close it up because, uh, you know, I, I have a you know my brother's big time Seahawk fan, and he was he was loving it. So you know, uh, definitely good times in the Pacific Northwest, especially as you mentioned, the Mariners are uh, you know making a charge for the playoffs uh, as well. So. Oh. Again, yeah. Uh, thanks again to everyone for tuning in to this edition uh, of the Edge Podcast. The Beaver's Edge will be live from Providence Park. Uh, make sure to be tuned in. We'll have complete pre, during, and post game coverage uh, from Providence Park, five o'clock uh, on Saturday. And uh, also, again, make sure to check back in to beaversedge.com for our staff predictions, the injury report. I believe Oregon State's going to be hosting some official visitors uh, up at Providence Park this weekend too. So check back. Uh, Dylan, our recruiting guy, will have and be on top of that. And uh, obviously then uh, gearing up for the game. Uh, Drop a note if you guys are going to be at Providence Park. I'm excited to go up there myself and see uh, what the atmosphere and the hubbub's like from everyone saying, you know, being a part of that Timbers experience is cool. And I hope we get a little taste of that uh, for the Beaver game. I heard it sold out, so it should be great. TJ, I really appreciate you stepping on uh, the podcast with me this week. As always, looking forward to next week uh, when we get to talk uh, some USC. 
Yeah, that'll be a fun one. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again to everyone for listening to this edition of the Edge Podcast. We'll be back next week to uh, recap the uh, Montana State game and look ahead to the conference opener against the USC Trojans.